sitting on the side of the road, looking at a car I've never seen before. And when the owner thought I might be, you know, trying to break into it or something, he came over. And once he realized I was curious, he did what any good Tesla owner does and, and let me test drive it. And, uh, it's one of those things like the, you know, the first time you drive an electric vehicle, it's like the first time you used a smartphone. It's like a, a light bulb goes off and you realize everything's about to change. This week's guest is Christopher Nahan, an account executive with ChargePoint. ChargePoint created one of the world's largest electric vehicle charging networks that is based on an open standard. Joining me as co-host this week is Anthony Machetti, Endicott College's Director of Sustainability. Anthony has responsibility for our green efforts throughout the year and leads many student-centered events that culminate in Earth Day here on campus. I'm Deirdre Sotarelli, Director of the Angle Center for Entrepreneurship, and this is Fuel Your Fire. Welcome to Fuel Your Fire, presented by the Angle Center for Entrepreneurship. This podcast is produced by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. If you want to build your own business, lead your life, and achieve your dreams, you've come to the right place. Chris and Anthony, welcome to Fuel Your Fire. Pleased to have you both on our podcast today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. So big goings on for the month of April, right? April is Earth Month, Anthony, and I know we're going to talk about the electrification of vehicles. But Anthony, do you want to talk a little bit about Earth Month at Endicott? Sure, I would love to. So every year on April 22nd, we recognize Earth Day which last year was actually the 50th anniversary of Earth Day starting in 1970. So we try to host several different events throughout the month, kind of culminating on our Earth Day festival, which during a normal year, we typically have a community-wide event on campus where we host several different local organizations and groups and just open it up to the community to educate them on climate change, electric vehicles, composting, um, whatever it may be, kind of relating to sustainability and honoring that Earth Day. So each year, there are kind of several different themes around Earth Day. And this year, the theme is Restore Our Earth. So they're really focusing on how together we can work to prevent the coming disasters of climate change and environmental destruction with a focus on the natural processes, emerging green technologies, um, and innovative thinking that can help restore the world's ecosystems. Really all about creating a healthier planet, creating and maintaining a healthier planet. And of course, with uh, our campus's proximity to the ocean, I think that we are as a population very attuned to the environment. Um, So what brought you, like what's your passion about running the Office of Sustainability? Yeah, sure. And to your point, as a coastal campus, we definitely may directly feel the effects of sea level rise and increased intensity um, and frequency of precipitation events. So climate change is really what is driving my work. Um, But from a campus perspective and just from personal passion, it's also the equity and health aspects um, of sustainability as well. So really approaching it holistically looking at our campus operations and how we can reduce our greenhouse gas emissions on campus. Um, But then also kind of taking a step back and seeing how we can 
approach social and environmental justice issues, um, and also looking at the health and well-being of faculty, students, and staff on campus, but also our local communities. And again, whether it's looking at plant-based meal options, um, looking at what we're putting into our spaces. Unfortunately, we spend about 90% of our time indoors. So we've done a lot of work looking at the furniture, the carpet, vinyl baseboards, what we're putting into our spaces and just being able to purchase materials and shift markets that don't have added unnecessary chemicals of concern such as chemical flame retardants, antimicrobials, um, PFAS and PFAS fluorinated chemicals that really don't have to be there, have an effect on people when they're in our spaces, but also have an effect downstream where they're being manufactured and you see them polluting um, water supplies and people mm -hmm. being sick, getting sick because of it. So that's really what's driving my passion. And day to day, we're working on a lot of different things and obviously speaking to the mission of the college and experiential learning being a, a major factor of what our students are coming to Endicott for. We're always trying to look for opportunities to utilize the campus as a living lab and create research opportunities or ways for students to engage on campus or with the city of Beverly or nearby communities to get that hands-on work to really understand what it means to approach some of these sustainability initiative, initiatives holistically. And it's helpful, of course, in that endeavor to have a strategic partner, which is why I'm so happy that we've got Chris from ChargePoint joining us today. So Chris, um, tell us a little bit about the, the ChargePoint uh, product line, if you will, maybe some of the value proposition. Um, we'd love to hear about that and a little bit about the uh, presence that you have on Endicott's campus. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Um, so, so yeah, um, you know, Charge, uh, in, I guess there's a bit of a background before I get into ChargePoint. Uh, I've been driving an electric vehicle for about six years now, <laughs> since I since I got out of college. Um, I was I was sitting on the side of the road looking at a car I've never seen before, and when the owner thought I might be you know trying to break into it or something, he came over. And once he realized I was curious, he did what any good Tesla owner does and and let me test drive it. And uh, it's one of those things like the, you know, the first time you drive an electric vehicle, it's like the first time you used a smartphone. It's like a, a light bulb goes off and you realize everything's about to change. Right. Um, and so, and so, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been driving an electric vehicle for six years and obviously, you know, I work at ChargePoint, but um, probably more importantly, I've been using the ChargePoint network for quite some time. So what, what ChargePoint tries to do, there's really, there's really two sides of the coin. Um, one is the driver experience, and then the other one is the, the station owner experience. And so um, on the driver side, um, ChargePoint tries to make the, um, the charging experience as simple, as safe, and as convenient as possible. So there, ChargePoint has an app. Uh, it's on the Android uh, store as well as on the Apple store. You can download it. And it allows you to see your home charge point charging station and to control that. It allows you to see your workplace charge point charging stations or maybe other ones that are in the wild. It allows you to see whether the stations are a level two charging station, which is more like a destination style charging station, or, or is it a fast charging station? Is anybody there? And, and, and how fast does um, the station charge? And so the, the bare bones is to try and make sure that when you have an electric vehicle, it is or it can be more convenient, but there's more planning required 
um, in terms of where you're going and where you're going to charge. And so we try and make that on the driver's side as simple, safe, and convenient as possible so that you know when you're going to a location, if you need a charge, that the station is going to be up and running and available to you. On the other side, the station owner side, uh, the, the grid is a very complex thing. And uh, it requires a lot of uh, access controls in order to have the right experience long-term as this industry evolves. And so um, what station owners can do is, is control the charging stations, control the experience, pricing, um, and just make sure that uh, the, the investment that they made, not only does it work today, but, but that it's also future-proofed for years to come as the market continues to develop. And what you'll feel, depending on whether you go to a workplace or maybe a fueling location, is uh, a different type of um, experience that they might be able to provide. And, and additionally, um, you know, one thing I really, I really like when using the ChargePoint uh, network is sometimes you'll see updates through, through the software that work on the stations where um, maybe there's a new feature that's helping control the traffic and the travel at those stations. Like one, one example would be a, a waitlist feature where one stations are being utilized pretty heavily. There might need to be some type of an access control um, or some type of communication from driver to driver to make sure that everyone can initiate a charging session when they need to, so they can get to the next location um, that they might have to. And so I think that's ChargePoint's overall goal is to make a simple, safe, and convenient driver experience that on the station owner side is, um, is also simple, easy to use, and future-proofed for years to come. Right. And it, it seems to me that ChargePoint is actually sitting right at that intersection of uh, sustainability and the technology piece. And by having a presence in like hardware, cloud services, and the support, uh, you're, you're taking the friction out of it. So you've been driving an electric car for a while. So stepping away from anything specific to, you know, charge point, how have you seen the friction start to be reduced just as a consumer, as an EV owner and consumer? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I've, in driving over the past six years, there's definitely been a, a line of demarcation in the sand in terms of potentially challenging experiences and um, and, and, then, and then great experiences. And I think where that line lands uh, at, at a base level is networked charging versus, versus non-networked charging. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, think about how much, um, how much we view the, the, the change in, in, in cell phones. You know, we used to have flip phones. Now we have smartphones that run our lives. Um, we used to view watches as these like analog devices. And, and now we view a watch as a smartwatch. And uh, charging requires some type of communication from the station to the driver to, to, to build confidence in knowing that you're going to a location. And um, we've seen the adoption of that from um, different utilities across um, Massachusetts and, and in New England where networked charging stations are being installed in service territories and the ability, the confidence to know that when you're going to a location that charging stations are going to be available if you're sitting there for a while or that uh, a fast charging station is going to be available has been a critical piece, I think, to consumer confidence. 
in buying um, electric vehicles in the North Shore. And just to, uh, you know, some really interesting things that have happened since I've joined the industry locally that that are just really exciting, specifically even in Beverly. um, I I think three to in the last three to six months, over 50 public charging ports, networked charging ports, um, charge point have been installed. Mm -hmm. Uh, at the coming center with the city of Beverly, with other businesses. Um, I, uh, I saw an email thread recently, my father's condo association is looking to put in network charging. And that's something that just wouldn't happen four years ago. And I uh, was talking to a local school recently where the, the reason why they're looking to put in charging stations is because the students who park there are asking for it. Um, so just, I guess the advent of, of these network charging stations is allowing people to transition from this previous traditional um, gas fueling experience to this more convenient electrification one. Thank you. It, it appears that ChargePoint is really leading the, the innovation in this space. I actually, I'm teaching a course right now on innovation and we talk about the S curve of adoption. So, you know, things start out slow, you've got your early adopters, um, you know, those are the people that are hanging out, you know, in front of an Apple store 48 hours before a phone gets launched. And then obviously at some point, you know, the curve starts to accelerate. And what I'm hearing you say is maybe we're starting, starting that. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're getting to that point. I remember when I, when I joined the industry, you know, probably nine out of, or when I first purchased my electric vehicle, nine out of 10 people would, would say, you know, there's, there's no way this is going to happen. There were a lot of misconceptions at that time. And now it's, it's flipped. It's quite the opposite. It's probably more than nine out of 10 people know about electric vehicles. They're excited. Um, and and w- one, of the, one of the interesting things, just talking to different people, driving an electric vehicle, going to charging stations, um, I'll ask, how did, you, how did you find out about electric vehicles? What got you into this? And they'll say, hey, my... My son or daughter came back from college and, and showed showed these to me, <laughs> and they're a believer, and they weren't into cars, and and so that made me a believer, and now I now I'm driving electric. So yeah, I think um, the pendulum has certainly swung. It'll be very helpful in the coming years. I think there's supposed to be 400 new models on the road by the end of 2024. Once once uh, those models exist and there are more charging stations on the road. Um, I think people will continue to feel more confident in switching to this new, let's call it um, EV lifestyle. Uh, but it it the pendulum has certainly swung. It does, and I I know that you're a publicly traded company, so you, you might not be able to comment on this. But from where Anthony and I sit, we see uh, obviously companies like. Ford and GM, and obviously Tesla has been leading it, but you start to see Ford and GM say, we're making an all-in commitment to EV by, you know, very aggressive timelines. And then, you know, and it's on the front page of the newspaper and front page on websites now at the federal government, you know, looking to put money into infrastructure, specifically in the EV space. So it seems like there's a lot of moving parts, but I, and I mean that to the most positive way, because it's, you, you folks have got this very innovative technology, you've got the platform, and then you've got these other things going on as well. And hopefully that can create a groundswell. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if you if you just Google some of the plans that these auto manufacturers have to electrify, they're they're pretty significant. The state of Massachusetts just announced um, no new electric car sales. I'm sorry, no new gas car sales by 2035. Um, and that that date is it's great. Uh, but I don't think in 2035, people are going to be walking in looking for a gas car right. and and them saying, hey, you know, we, sorry, we can't give you those anymore. Um, I think in the next couple of years, as people continue to experience the the um, the excitement that an electric car can bring and the convenience that it can to somebody's life um, as these new car models end up uh, coming out, it's 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 going to move very quickly and in all of the all of the things that are happening on a national level or on a statewide level are great. You know, they, they, there's no doubt they help expedite things, but uh, regardless, just due to the experience itself, I think um, things um, will always continue moving in a positive direction for, for electric vehicles. And uh, I, you know, I've, I've, I've heard people comment that today we, we keep saying EVs, electric vehicles, eventually they're just going to be called cars. Right. From a technical perspective, Chris, um, it, it, the, the actual charging station itself, is it a proprietary connector? Like does Tesla have its own proprietary power connector versus other charging stations? Yeah, yeah. So Tesla entered um, the US market before, like very early before a universal type of charging port existed. So right now, Tesla, um, works off of their own proprietary cord and everybody else is on, on universal charging platforms in terms of a port level two, uh, which is more like destination charging and then fast charging have two different um, styles of ports. So a level, a level two port uh, is called the J1772 and any car besides a Tesla um, will will accept that with uh, with the port that they have on the car. All Teslas come with a level two adapter. Okay. And so I, I have a Tesla. I use level two charging stations all the time. Just keep the uh, adapter in my glove box within within my vehicle. Mm-hmm. On the fast charging side, Tesla does still have a proprietary plug, and then there's two different universal fast charging port types. One's called a Chatamo. Um, that's the Asian auto manufacturers. And then CCS is the North American and European autos. But the vast, vast majority of universal fast charging stations have both of those plugs on them. So any vehicle can charge on them. And then Tesla does offer an adapter in the fast charging side to charge at a universal fast charging station as well. Thanks for clearing that up. So Chris, at, at ChargePoint, from a research and development perspective, what gets you jazzed up when you see your company leading the charge, no pun intended? You knew that you both knew that I was gonna throw a pun in here at some point. <laughs> but what, what gets you really excited about uh, ChargePoint's uh, position in the industry? Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try and answer this question a little bit from, from the driver perspective as well, uh, just over the experiences over the last five years. We talked about that, the importance of network charging versus non-network charging. Um, then jumping into the network charging experience, I think for any company to be successful long-term, the ability to have a networked experience that can adapt and change over time, meaning very similar to like a Tesla vehicle where 
the car gets software updates and literally becomes a better driving car as time goes on mm-hmm. as new new features you know last year when i was parked I, I couldn't watch cable we'll call it cable tv uh today i can when i'm sitting inside the car just you know new features that that enhance the experience um the the nimbleness of a network to be able to adapt to changes uh in the i guess the in driver behavior and in the public environment or private environment is really critical. And as a driver, that's something that I've appreciated over the past five years with ChargePoint is the nimbleness and the ability for charging stations to come out with new features that um, provide the right type of experience at a certain location. Or I think for a station owner, what they probably appreciate is the ability to drive the core business at that location whether it's um, to hire new people or to drive people into a store or to um, charge up a fleet of vehicles. Uh, I I think just like, uh, just like cell phones and anything else that's software based, the ability to adapt via software is is just really important to the growth of electrification um, and my experience at ChargePoint stations. It also seems too like ChargePoint has a double-sided business model in that you've, you have to pay attention to the needs of the station owners, but then also keep your ear to the ground for the actual EV drivers as well too. Um, and, and I think whenever companies can do that, stay close to the customers, listen to the feedback from the customers, um, it always ends up to be a very successful business model. Yeah, it's such a different environment depending on you know what state you're in or what utility you are in for the station owner and it's important to have a, a charging station that 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 can adapt to the circumstances of wherever that station might might end up being installed right so anthony with regards to our uh, charge point stations that we have on campus how are they distributed across campus Yeah, so we currently have six charging stations on campus, and they are all located in one central location. So we have a new parking garage on campus. We have two right outside it and then two on each floor of the garage. So I think for me, looking forward and looking to the expansion of infrastructure on campus, I would love to see us strategically approach where we would install future stations, whether it's over at um, our inn and conference center, over at the hockey rink, potentially the post center, our athletic center. And then I think just incorporating it into any additional new parking or new construction projects that we have planned for the future. I would love to see it um, spread out more widely across campus, but they are in one location. They are uh, publicly available. They're open to anyone coming onto campus. So staff, faculty who drive EVs, hopefully more students are driving EVs. I don't know that I've seen any yet, um, but they're available to them and as well as anyone coming on campus for an event um, or just driving by and looking for a place to charge, they can come and park and hook up to it. And one thing I'm very impressed by is our students' interest and passion around sustainability. Uh, more so than certainly my generation growing up as well, too. I mean, that seems to almost be when you're talking about uh, a technology, a new technology, that almost seems to be like the second question, what's the impact of the technology on the environment? So I think you'll see, 
you'll see more EV, EV vehicles on campus. So Chris, if, if I were to have you go in a time machine with me, and we'll, we'll say the time machine is gonna be electrically powered and we were gonna go back to when Chris was 12 years old. What did, what did that boy think the future was going to look like in terms of transportation? Were you into cars and transportation at that, at that young age? No, I can't even, I can't even comment on that. I thought I was going to be a blog writer for the Celtics when I, when I was 12, uh, I went to, I went to college for accounting. The reason I'm in this business is because a friendly Tesla owner did what fr friendly Tesla owners do and let me test drive his car when I got out of college. And I, I, I sort of ditched my, uh, my degree <laughs> And said, "This is the field I want to be in. This is this is the future." Uh, I wasn't a car guy. Didn't. I'm still really not a car guy. Uh, but as these new electric vehicles come out, I find I'm finding myself having a lot of interest. Maybe I am a, a car guy now. It's just an electric car guy. There you go. But but it all stemmed from the analogy. the The analogy. The first time I used a smartphone, I remember that might be a good example. I you know I graduated high school at Peabody High in 2009. And I remember probably 2008 when one of our friends bought the first, brought the first uh, iPhone to, to school. And it was like, it was a moment. It was like, wow, this is gonna, this is gonna change things. What's an app? What does that even mean? And that's sort of where the, the EV charging industry is right now. And it's gonna take a lot longer for uh, the vast majority of the world to switch to electric vehicles than, than it did for smartphones. But um, yeah, when I was 12 years old, I, I certainly didn't expect to be in this industry, but very grateful to be so. I, I had my first experience in an EV a couple of weeks ago, and I would agree with you. It was sort of that inflection point for me, Chris, to say, wow, this, you know, I could get used to this in a good way. So it's nice, especially in the wintertime in New England, to be able to charge your car in your garage <laughs> or, right. or, or in your driveway, that's certainly a, a great feature. And then, you know, once you get into the autonomy piece, the, the ability to go from Boston to Burlington, Vermont, instead of it feeling like a, like the four hour trip it is, it feels like, it feels like two hours. It's a lot less stressful. And, you know, I'll never forget the first time I, I took my mother in the, uh, in the Tesla and, and, um, you know, so had it in self-driving mode with my hands on the wheel, like you're supposed to, but then showing her and uh, it's just, it's a really fun experience to show people for the first time. You always get the same reaction. Right. And, uh, Chris, thank you for that. And if our, some of our listeners want to get in touch with you or ChargePoint, how can they do that? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if you're interested in learning more about ChargePoint or you just want to learn about the vehicles that are coming out or you're interested in getting into the industry, whatever the case may be, just shoot me an email. It's uh, Christopher, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R dot Nihan, N-I-H-A-N at chargepoint.com. Uh, again, N-I-H-A-N. And, and you know, that that could mean a bunch of different things. There's, there's so much opportunity, not, not just in the EV charging space, but in the, the renewable space. It's, it's kind of like peanut butter and jelly. And uh, especially for anyone that's in college right now, and they think this is an industry that they, that they might want to get into. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm here to point anyone in, in the right direction. 
Well, thank you very much for that. I know Anthony and I really appreciate your joining us today for this episode of Fuel Your Fire. Thank you so much. Take care. The podcast Fuel Your Fire is brought to you in part through a generous donation from the Cummings Foundation. If you or your business would like to get involved with Fuel Your Fire, drop us a note at ecfuel, that's E-C-F-U-E-L, at endicott.edu. Thanks for your support.